Hello and welcome to episode 183 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at Andrew RP. And join me as always is the delectable League Freak. Yeah. I'm on Twitter, at League Freak. How you going there, the mouth-watering one? I'm going pretty good. How are you? Mm, I'm doing good. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's creepy. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to tell a therapist about that one one day. Yes. <laughs> Got a lot of people worried. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to? Um, watching shit football. How about you? Yeah, I watched a lot of shit football today as well. It was really enlightening. Um, I managed to get through it, but I don't know how many people did. It's... Uh... It was hard work. Yeah, it really was. I, I, I went through watching my team playing and losing. Mm-hmm. I suppose, let's, fuck it, let's get into it straight away. Yeah, yeah. Um, West Tigers played against the Raiders, and the Raiders won 14-6 to after the Tigers led 4-0 at halftime. And as has been the case for 21 years now, when the, the Tigers lose a game that they should have won the week before and they come out against a really strong opposition the next game and they lose again but not by as much. Everyone goes, oh, that's a pretty good effort from the Tigers. They've, they've shown some improvement. You know, the coach will be pretty happy with that. And sure enough, the coach is pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. And on Twitter, I came out and said, you know what? Fuck it, I'm sick of that. Mm-hmm. I get we've that. To, we've got to stop being satisfied with... That's better than last week. As far as I'm concerned, being better and losing is the same as just losing. Mm-hmm. We need to want better than that. Yeah, and like the, the plucky performances are the worst place you can be as a club because you're still losing, but people start to get happy with it and it just continues the cycle. Like there's, And the other thing is too, like you hear people going, oh, they put in a good effort, but they just weren't good enough. And it's like, well, if they're not good enough year after year after year, they're just not good enough. Yeah. Um, all I can say is three finals appearances in 21 years. That's a disgrace. That, that's your reward for being happy with losing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're happy with losing all the time, but you can't just come out and, and keep thinking that Oh, an improvement but still losing is, is something good. No, they were 40 minutes away from winning that game against the Raiders and they and the, fucking crumbled. What's they to be really happy did. about that? And the Raiders were playing pretty poorly too. They like, were still playing dog shit. Yeah, it's not like the Raiders were throwing everything at them and it, it, it was a drag them out game. It was like the Raiders were... But that was the worst the Raiders played all season. Yeah, and you, you know, if you want to be a, a finals contender, if you want to play in the top eight, you have to take advantage of those opportunities, close out those games, win those games against the big teams. And people will come out and say, oh, you know, the Raiders are one of the best defensive teams in the comp. It's pretty hard to beat them. And my argument will always be, no team has been undefeated since 1959. Mm-hmm. Every team is defeatable. Last year, the Roosters, the Premiers, Lost three games to teams outside the top eight. Mm-hmm. It, There's no a, reason why the Tigers can't be one of those teams that beats those teams. Exactly. And look, it's, you know, they're based in two different areas, you know, and one of them is a giant junior rugby league nursery 
there's like no excuse for them not producing good young players. I mean, they should be doing at least 70% of what the Panthers do in terms of junior development. And you've got to wonder why they're not. Well, I mean, I came out with a graph today and it showed the West Tigers cumulative margin. So this, the way it works is you take the margin for a game and you add it to the total margin of all games they've played prior to that match. Mm-hmm. So if they lost the first game by, well, the first game was a draw. The next game they lose by one. So that takes the cumulative margin to minus one. Next one they lose by 20, it goes to minus 21, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why I like using these as graphs is because it's, it's a really simple way of having a very deep look at a team's performance and, and not just who they're up against, but it also shows you um, a coach's ability to, to build the right team over time mm-hmm. and the ability to use the right tactics to win games. Mm-hmm. And all we saw with the Tigers is um, they went down under Wayne Pearce immediately from the start of their merger. Yep. They've nosed off like fucking hard under Terry Lamb, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Sheens got them back on track, got them a little bit moving upwards mm-hmm. in those first three years, and then plateaued hard for, what was it, seven years afterwards? Jeez. And he made that club. I mean, the plateau was horrible. Yeah. People think, oh, that just means that they were consistent. I'm going, yeah, but look where they were. Three yeah. finals appearances in that period. Yeah, they were consistency, cons- consistently mediocre at yeah, best. Consistently not quite good enough. Mm. And he made that club so dependent on him that the minute he walked out the door, and he, well, he wasn't walking out the door. He got pushed out of the door. He was supposed to walk out the door, but he didn't honour his word. Mm-hmm. So he got pushed out the door. They took the job off him. He then demanded a payout. So the club was in a situation where they had to pay out Tim Sheen's a lot of money. So instead of just saying, you know, let's bite the bullet and get ourselves a really good coach to replace him with, they went, nah, let's just go with the budget option until yeah. we've paid him out and then we'll get a good coach. Yeah. And they just sunk into the abyss because it was systems that only Sheen's knew and then they had budget coaches afterwards and then it just nosedived under Potter. He wasn't a bad coach, but he had no chance there because everything was working against him, yeah. including the media. Yeah, over that stupid bullshit with Farrell, that was just a massive beat up. But not only that, he's left with a team whose playing style was coming up on a decade of being out of style, and it, it just the the entire club needed fixed from the ground up. It, it, it's kind of what they still are now. Like no one has ever fixed the problem, which is the club just seems to chuck players together and grab anybody that's available. And it's like after the market is finished getting all the good players, the West Tigers put their head up and say, oh, it's February, we might get some players here. And it just seems like this monotonous treadmill of just mediocrity. It's fucking terrible for the fans, and it's getting the club nowhere. Yeah, and because because they're not winning wooden spoons, you know, the Western Suburbs fan base are like, Hey, that's better than what we used to get. Mm-hmm. And because they're not finishing in the bottom three all the time, the Bowman fan base are going, hey, that's better than what we were doing before we merged. Yeah. And so it seems like it's an improvement. We're finishing close to the middle. And going, 
I don't care if it's a fucking improvement. It's been the same mediocre, not quite good enough bullshit for a decade now since our last finals appearance. A decade. Mm. Stop stop accepting this shit. Seriously. We've got to sit there and say, you know what? If we don't come over two points, then we were shit. We should be better than that. Yeah. I don't care who the fucking opposition is. There is not a team out there in the NRL that the West Tigers have not beaten, even when the West Tigers have been utter garbage. Every team can be beaten on the day. Every team. You know, the thing that jumped out at me while I was watching the game is that they were showing Benji Marshall on, on in the stands. And even Benji Marshall, towards the very end of his career, I'm thinking, I think he's their best player. I'm, mm-hmm. I think I'm looking at their best player in the stand. And like I said, it's a giant you know, giant junior base, there should be no reason for that to be the case. You know, and I just don't understand why the club's board hasn't been put under more pressure. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, board members and chairmen and CEOs that have got a lot of praise over the last number of years, and they've all been terrible. And I've never understood it. I really did not understand why there were some people that would say, oh, this, you know, this chairperson was really great. And you'd like, like look at the club and you'd be like, why? The fucking club isn't going anywhere. Yeah, and it hasn't been for what? more than a decade. I look, the funny thing is, too, I mean, Benji Marshall is widely regarded as possibly the uh, the Tigers' best ever junior. Yeah. He, he didn't come from, from the MacArthur region or from the Balmain region. He came from Keeper Park. Yeah, exactly. You know, you look at Harry Grant. He's not a junior from the the local area, and yet he's he's the best young player at the club. It's why? Why is it like that? Yeah, and they'll sit there and give these give praise to these people like Justin Potato. People actually pray, you know, beg for him to come back. It's like, no, you finally got handed a fucking gift and had him removed, and then you go, oh, we want him back. He shouldn't have been sacked. And you go, no, he should have been sacked. He did the wrong thing. He deserves that. Yeah. And they bring him back. You know, here we go, back to the circus. You and know, sure enough, here we are. Well, fighting for ninth again. Yeah, um, exactly. Girl. And happy with happy with losses against teams that aren't playing well. Um, you know, and it's at the, that was at the Tigers' home ground. That's another thing to be remembered too. I, I just, you know, I look at where Penrith is right now. And we're, we're having a good season, but we've got a lot of depth. And the depth comes from how many good young junior players we've got. And it's just, it should be a similar thing for the Tigers. Like how many times in the Tigers, West Tigers history, have you really seen the young players come through? And it, like you're going back 15 years. Yeah. It, it's craziness. It is. The other thing too is I like to compare with other teams and... Look at how much hatred is being directed at the Broncos coach by their fans at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's only been there for a season and five games. Yeah. They're all already demanding much, much more from him. Doesn't happen at the Tigers. And I'm not saying the coach is the problem at the Tigers. Because right now, that coach, is, you know, Michael Maguire, is hamstrung by the absolute dog shit that Ivan Cleary left him. Yeah. Like I, th- I'm pretty sure you and me would say, give him five years tomorrow. Just let him do the job. Yeah, you know? oh God, he's going to need that, you know, nearly that long to build his own team there. Yeah, he's he gave <laughs> I mean, Russell Packer, Josh Reynolds, 
How about Russell Packer? I, when I was watching Russell Packer, <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm pretty sure I can hear Andrew yelling from Victoria. <laughs> he ran onto the field. And went, he's just burnt his best hit up of the day there, just jogging onto the field. Yeah. And I wasn't far wrong. And, and then he gets sent off after, what, like 60 seconds or something? Uh, and then he comes back on, gives away a, a penalty, and he's gone to the judiciary. Oh, man. An absolute dopey, horrible defensive read that led in a Raiders try. Mm-hmm. 700 grand. Thanks, Ivan, you prick. <laughs> oh, fuck. But that's the, that's the shit that the Tigers have done. Instead yeah. of going out and, and buying... Top quality players. And you don't have to have 13 fucking superstars. No. But you don't pay superstar money to these people who just never are, never will be. And that's the problem. They'll go out and they'll go, oh, this bloke's on the market. Let's just give him as much as we can. And that's yeah. why it was so big on them going after Latrell Mitchell. And I don't know if they ever had a real shot at getting him. I highly but doubt they did. I, I, don't, I doubt they did as well, right? But I at least make Latrell Mitchell have to turn down superstar money rather than throwing like 80% of the exact same amount at someone like a Russell Packer, which is what they've been doing for so long. Um, like, can you imagine the West Tigers if they had Latrell Mitchell learning to play fullback at fullback? It'd be mm. pretty bloody cool. Yeah. Even if they put him in at centre, you know, I'd be happy enough with that. Yeah. We've got a million dollar centre there. Million dollars on Moses and Bai. Even Josh Reynolds won't be there for cheap. No, he's supposed to be on 700. You know, and he, like, he didn't disgrace himself in the game. He played all right, but... He never, not... to be honest, he hasn't actually disgraced himself at all. No. But the injuries have been a problem. Yeah, it's... It, it's the same thing that was happening at the Bulldogs, really. Like, the, uh, the West, the thing about it was the West Tigers brought the problem that the Bulldogs had with Josh Reynolds to the club, and they've still got it to this very day. I'd never understood why they bought him. And he played all right, but all right is where they, you know, that's not yeah. the standard, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, all right is not worth 700 grand a year. No. Um, and this is the thing. The Bulldogs were in a situation where they had to take the scraps. Because mm. the salary cap forced them to. Yep. Tigers are buying scraps despite having you know a whole heap of money in the bank, and they're paying top dollar for the scraps. Mm. And they're not going out and buying the players to suit certain requirements within the team. They're buying. They're going out and buying whatever's available, and going, okay, how now? How do we make it work? You know, yeah, how do like, we make this fit into the side? Exactly. Look, Harry Grant fell into their lap. It yeah. By some miracle, right? Um, but they won't have him next year unless, yeah, Cameron, exactly. unless Cameron Smith decides to play another season and Harry Grant chooses to cancel his contract with the Storm and stay at the Tigers. And if, if you're in a situation where you've got a contract with the Storm or you've got the chance of having a career at the West Tigers, you go into the Storm. Yeah. Why yeah. wouldn't you? You'd be mad not to. Exactly. And, like, when they bought uh, Adam Dewey to the club. And a lot of people were praising it, saying, oh, it's a good signing and stuff. And to me, it was just filling another gap. You know, it wasn't an upgrade. It was just, let's get another middle-of-the-road player to play in this position. Like, 
you know, I, I just don't understand their recruitment policy, and I don't put it on Maguire. I think Maguire takes over a team where he's got literally millions of dollars in reserve grade because that's where they belong, and he's got to make do. He's got to put together a side that just isn't absolutely terrible, and he's doing his best at the moment. But I, I just wonder how the club can have been allowed to stay in this position for so long. Like, you really do have to look at the board. You have to look at the CEOs that have run the club. You've got to look at the chairman that have been in charge of the club. It's not good enough. And, it like, for such an even competition that the NRL is, to have a team that goes for that many years and only appears in the finals three times, and it's not even as though they, like, had a year where they come second. You know, it's been... Oh, I just scraped into the finals. Ridiculous. And especially at a time when half the teams every year make the finals. Half of them. Mm. <sighs> and and right so now, pathetic. we have the Bulldogs, who are literally a reserve grade team, and the Titans, who are just... They've been gone for 18 months. And the Warriors, who've been just about gone for 18 months. Like, and you look at the even the Dragons who've been terrible for 18 months. It's not like there's a there's this big fight to be one of those last-place teams. The Broncos are going not that great. The Panthers have been a little bit mediocre until this year. The Knights have just uh, started to play well. It, it's not like it's been that difficult to make the finals with a bit of consistency. Yeah, it's exactly right. Tigers are just... They've got to change a lot at the club. And the first thing is culture and, um, you know, just a, a desire to want more. And a lot of people mm. have had said to me, because I had quite a few arguments with people on Twitter about this today and yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were saying, oh, it takes a long time to change the culture. And as much as I hated a lot of what Tim Sheens did, mm-hmm. one thing that can't be denied is that he proves that statement wrong. Yeah. Because he changed the culture at the West Tigers immediately. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't remember, when he turned up at the Tigers, in the media, they were literally a laughing stock. Yeah. And not in a good way. You had the year before, um, you know, John Hopper-White, sticking his finger up players' asses. Mm-hmm. You had Kevin McGuinness and Craig Field both testing positive to cocaine. Because their drinks were spiked, apparently, with cocaine. Uh, um, and they were getting flogged every second week. Mm-hmm. They barely, barely avoided getting the wooden spoon, and boy, did they fucking deserve it. Mm-hmm. That's the team Tim Sheen's inherited. And half those players were contracted for 2003 and 2004. And he bit the bullet. He sacked a lot of those players. Um, and even though the Tigers were paying him out, he just invested in the juniors, gave them a year, they started getting ready, made one or two astute purchases, and then bang, 2005, win a premiership. Yeah. And as much as that premiership was, in my mind, a bit fluky. It was right place, right time. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't... I can't take the whole thing away from him. You've got to be playing good football to, to get to the grand final and to win the bloody thing. Yep, 100%. And he got them there, and he did that. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's no surprise that the team struggled the following year because it was basically young guys by then. Yeah. 
but it took him what, four or five years to get back to playing finals footy. And a lot of that was on the back of Benji Marshall dragging that team to good performances. Yeah, and like how many times have how many games have the Tigers won where Benji Marshall did Benji Marshall things and it's like refusing to let them lose, mm. putting magic on the field, you know, and, and doing things out of nowhere that really the yeah, could only put down to players like a Lockyer or a Johns. You know, there's very few players in the whole history of the game that have the ability to just refuse to let their teams lose, and Benji's been one of them. Um, and, and But even despite that, just not enough finals appearances. Nowhere near enough. And that was the problem. Sheen's never capitalised on that early success, but he did prove that you can change the culture at a club immediately. Mm. No one was thinking about fingers up asses and, and cocaine and Tigers being a joke at the end of 2005. No. I was thinking, what, what, the, have, what the hell's just happened? Yeah. And I, where, I also where'd this think, mob come from? Exactly. And, and like you have Benji Marshall, who's a teenager, you know, mm. uh, Robbie Farrow, who was a very young bloke himself. I mean, he might have been 20, 21. Like he was very young. And uh, a lot, you know, he had some solid first graders. He brought in a little bit of uh, experience into the team. That, like, it was a pretty good mix, and it, it was. that You can take nothing away from that premiership. They won it. They beat everyone. But it was a really, it was a certain sort of team in a certain sort of era, and it all worked. And that's what you got to get with premiership. You can say the same thing about the Panthers. Um, you know, but... I also think with the culture side of things and changing a culture, like I remember when the Panthers were just completely crap in 2001. And the thing that got them out of that slump was just pure talent. There was like probably half a dozen really good young players come through in the space of maybe six months. And, they, you know, they won a premiership a couple of years later. We've seen that happen with teams like the Roosters and, and a few other teams who have had a terrible year and a couple of years later, they're at least in a grand final. Um, you know, so, like, I think it's definitely a, a case of culture and talent. And I think the problem for the Tigers is the culture has been close enough as good enough and, and the talent hasn't really been there outside of Marshall and, and Farrah. Yeah. And even to this day, Marshall's the only X factor they've got at the club. Mm. Um, yeah, so look, I'm not willing to throw Maguire under the bus because he's still got a, a lot of money tied up in a few players who just aren't first grade players. Mm. Um, so until he gets rid of those, he's able to start building his, the team he wants and needs, then that's when he should get judged. But I think he's only a year or two away from that. Yeah, there's only, there's only so long you can have these performances, even though he's carrying a lot of the burden of previous coaches and administrators. But there's only so long, and we see with Dean, Dean Pay, that where eventually the losses pile up and you just you got to fall on your sword. Unless exactly. you're um, Paul McGregor. Unless you're Paul McGregor. And uh, let me put it this way. We'll get into this game now. Um, absolute dog of a game. Yeah. Against the Sharks today. Um, I think what happened is the Sharks 
the Sharks didn't lose that game. What they did is they've trolled every single Dragons fan in true neighbor neighborly love. Mm. They said, we know if we let McGregor get a good win here, you bastards are going to be stuck with him for another 15 years because he'll get another contract extension. You just watch. Mm. And so Dragons won, was it 30 to... 30 to 14? 30 points to 16. 30 to 16. Yeah. Um, God, this game was utter trash. It was really difficult to watch. And, you know, some of the things that come out of this game, I mean, obviously, the Dragons as a team, as an overall football team, just terrible. Like, to score 30 points and to still be able to say, wow, they're a terrible footy team, that's something special. That's something you don't see very often. The Sharks have a few players that I think they need to just tell to go away. Aaron Woods. You know, well, Aaron Woods, look, you know you know what I've been saying about Aaron Woods for years and years now, and he's worse than he was at his best. Yeah, he's a pillow with a beard now. Yeah, he really um, is. There was 12 of the Dragons' points tonight were scored through Aaron Woods having a snooze. Yeah. Um, the second one... My God, that's atrocious. So a little change of, change of direction crash ball play on the inside, which is why you have four or five blokes standing around the ruck when you're on your own line. Mm-hmm. It's waiting for that crash ball. And Arrow Woods just walks past as the player gets the ball and smashes through and scores a try. And he's just running around like a brown cow looking around, looking for something to chew on. And then looks across and goes, what are you... Oh, did you score a try? Mm. Oh, we should have had someone there. Oh, it was me. Whoops. And, you know, half of his game in defense is a tackle's made and then as he's running back on side, he just goes and lays on it. You know, that's like 80% of his defense. (laughs) He's become so darn lazy. I was looking at him tonight and going, that is one of the few good decisions that the West Tigers have made. Yeah, 100%. But I hate the fact that another NRL club, I don't even, even clubs I don't like, I hate the fact that another club is now burdened with him. Yeah, well, look, like, you know... He should have just went to the Super League. That's where he belongs. He really does. Even at his best, and I've, I used to get in arguments with people on Twitter about it because I just never rated him. I always thought he was just soft. I thought his numbers were inflated. I thought that his defense just never worried anyone. It, it, it was just ineffective. It was real empty stats and i think that uh i i think he's not as athletic as he used to be now so it, it really shows all of those things up a little bit more um i the, if they i think that between him sean johnson's done sean johnson is done he's finished i like i felt sorry for him last year when the warriors before the season come out were like man you've got to leave uh I dare say that might be the best decision they've made in 10 years because he's finished. He needs to go to Super League. And I don't know what the Sharks can do because he's on a big whack of money. Um, but I would be sitting down with him this to, this week and saying, Sean, it's over. You're not playing any more first grade. You can sit at home if you want, but we've got to do something different, man, and try and get a contract elsewhere. We'll pay some of it. You know, but they need rid of him. Moylan, who's done his hamstring again after <laughs> playing, what, two games? And poorly? Uh, one, I think. Oh, was it just one? 
Yeah, yeah. The, the, I'll, I'll admit, okay, the game he played last week was a very good performance from him. But as I argued with someone on Twitter, or didn't even argue, I just stated to him on there, when was the last time Warland played two good games in a row? Yeah. And couldn't get an answer. And I went, that's exactly right. He will have a good game in him. He has got a few games in him every year where you go, that was that was close to a man of the match performance. Yep. Never, ever backs it up. Never. Never, ever, ever. And not even two good games out of three. Doesn't happen. Mm. It's like you get one in the first bunch of, you know, eight games and another the next bunch of eight games. And one, you know, you'll get three good games out of him every year if you're lucky. But the thing that got me about the, the Sharks today mm-hmm. is you have an absolute attacking weapon on your left edge in Wade mm-hmm. Graham. Yep. Right. Everyone knows he's there. Everyone doubles up on him to try and defend on him, and yet he is still an attacking weapon. That's how fucking good that man is. Yeah. And the Sharks today went, let's get going to the right. <laughs> Every fucking time. And he was clearly their best attack and option. Yeah. And then when they finally go, you know what, we'll stop going to the right for a bit. We'll give it to Wade. Give it to Wade. Bang, bang, try. You know, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And so the next time they get down the dragon's end, they go right. They go right. They go right. They keep going fucking right. They don't score any points. I'm like, you are the dumbest, dumbest team I've ever seen. And I could, I once saw once or twice a bit of footage of, uh, I think it might have been John Morris in the crowd there mm-hmm. or in the, in the box. And he was just looking at it blankly going, do, do what, does what I say just not go through their head at all? <laughs> how, can you, how can you, as a team... They started the making a comeback, and it was on the back of Wade. And like when they started making that comeback, first thing I thought was, it would be really funny if the Dragons lost this game now, right? Because it was starting to get late in the game. And they didn't go back to it. And I'm no. like, okay, come on. They're going to go back to it. They never did. They never did. And they've got they've got a good um, good young forward pack. Um, Andrew Fafida. I, I really do like him as a player. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think, I think he needs to... Maybe drop a few kilos, try and get his endurance up and and be playing a few more minutes. I think he's they're not getting enough effective minutes out of him. And you'll do certain things now where he just he's starting to look old. And he's there's there's moments I think I think the thing with Fafita, right, is that when you've got a forward pack that is going forward you he he's fantastic because he will then get the ball he'll go across field a little bit he's got that offload in him sometimes he'll just run the ball straight and hard on the back of it um and he times that all very very well i think when you've got a forward pack and an attack in general that isn't really going anywhere and he'll get the ball and he'll try and make something happen but he just ends up running across field and I get it because that's part of his game. That's part of his his biggest weapon is to that playmaking ability. I think if you took Andrew Fafita right now and swapped him with, say, James Tamo on the Panthers, I think he would be a revelation for the Panthers. I think he would bust that club right open. Their attack would be ridiculously good because of him. 
But I think in this side, in this shark side, it just doesn't work. And the reason why he does that sideways stuff and why he would work at Penrith is because the Sharks don't have very many playmaking op- options available to them. No. So Fafita has to be one. Yeah, yeah. Whereas at the Sharks, they've got, uh, whereas at the Panthers, they've got quite a few attacking options. Mm-hmm. And so him being able to roam a little bit sideways through the middle, you know, you get one of those young good centres like Crichton running on a good straight line, you know, to straighten up the straighten up the defence off Fafita. It would work, work like crazy. It really would. Can you imagine Fafita and Kikau and Coruscant? <laughs> like, that would be outrageously good, right? But I think that in this side, where, like, his front row partner's Aaron Woods, <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't work. You know, you've got someone like a J- Chad Townsend who's very solid. You know, he'll get the job done for you. But... He's not going to break a game wide open. And then you've got Sean Johnson next to him who throws more balls to touch judges and ball boys than he does his outside backs. It's It was kind of ridiculous seeing how Johnson and Moylan managed to combine for a decent win last week. I just don't know how that happened. That's the weirdest thing I've seen. Yeah, it, I know. I know. And look, as you but said... But it, it also showed the, how bad Johnson is because Moylan outplayed him. By miles, by absolute miles, um, you know. And the other thing is they've they're missing Sherry, obviously, which is huge for them. Uh, and they're not going to get him back. Dugan is doing his best, considering the age he is. You know, he's not going to rip a game open anymore, but he's doing. He's playing solid, but he's on a lot of money to be playing solid footy. Mm. And there's like this is the team that uh, John Morris has been left with. And I just hope that the club doesn't blame him for their performances and they sit him down this week and say, what do you want? And give him everything he asks for, whether it be, we've got to get rid of Johnson, we've got to get rid of this player, this player, this player, and you've got to let me spend some money or whatever it is, because this isn't his team. This is the leftovers he's been given and he needs to be able to make it his team. I think he's coached them he coached them amazingly last year. I think considering some of the problems he has, they've done all right this year. But yeah. he needs to be able to do more. I think I think the broom needs to go through part of it. I'd be getting rid of Moylan, Dugan, Johnson, Fafida, um, and saying, okay, you've got a bit of money now. Get yourself one half. I don't care if it's a five-eighth or a halfback mm-hmm. to partner Townsend, but they need to be a genuine playmaker. Mm-hmm. Get yourself a prop. Oh, yeah, also get rid of Aaron Woods. And get yourself one really good prop as well. Mm-hmm. Hamlin Newelli can move into the starting front row. Mm-hmm. Kid's a beast. It looks like they're going to hang on to Toby, Toby Rudolph, who's an absolute brilliant player as well. He is, yeah. Um, you, you can always find another prop somewhere to be one of those solid rotation props you have coming off the bench. Um, you can have a bit of money available to do that and buy those sort of players. And then you just got to nurture the young guys who are there. Will Kennedy, who had some really good touches tonight. Um, nurture them, bring them through, help them get better. But, you know, there's plenty of options coming available to them and a lot of money coming to them as well soon too where they can do that. Yeah. 
that there was talk in the last over the last week that the Sharks were looking at both, and both options are crazy. Getting Shane Flanagan back as coach, mm-hmm. which is just an outright no, and we discussed that in the last episode. Yep. And the other one which came up in the last few days was um, Wallaby's coach. Was it no Wallaby's coach? The not nah, England Rugby Union. England coach, Rugby Union Eddie coach Jones. Eddie Jones, which is. Uh, I mean, I I don't have words to describe how fucking stupid that is. Like, I I will say this. It makes way more sense to get Alan Jones from Rugby Union than it would be to get fucking Eddie Jones from Rugby Union. Like, it just leaves me speechless that anybody would be contemplating that. It's madness. Mm-hmm. If the Sharks are not happy with John Morris, and they they bloody well should be, mm-hmm. then there's only one coach they need to get, and it's going to be it's going to be Jeff Tuvey. Yep. because he knows how to bring you know he knows how to build a good forward pack, and that's what the Sharks need to get again. He knows how to build an attack that works and scores points. That's what the Sharks need. Mm-hmm. Tuvey is their man. If they don't want Morris, then they need to get Tuvey. I'd even hire Tuvi to be an assistant coach, to be honest. Yeah, I, I look, if I was Morris and the club wasn't committing to me long-term, I would walk because I think he's shown enough that he would get a gig somewhere else. And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a real tough job that he's got coming up for him. And I think that he needs that commitment from the club and if they're, I mean, just the fact that, you know, it was tossed to the media that they would maybe look at Eddie Jones or even Flanagan. I mean, pff, what the hell are they thinking? Like, I, I look at this Sharks team, right? Just say the Sharks went out and in the next offseason they got James Tarmo for an all right amount of money, not heaps, but just got him for a solid amount of money and then offered Matt Burton from the Panthers an all right contract to play outside of Chad Townsend. That'd be a pretty bloody good upgrade for the club, don't you reckon? It's not bad. Um, I think they'd still need a genuine playmaker in there. Like, Burton's a good player. But, um, yeah, I think they needed, he, he'd need to have a good a good seven outside him. So I, I, rate, not... I really rate Burton. I think that if he gets... Oh, likewise, but I think you need to have someone with experience who is a general playmaker. Like I'd say, I'd love to see Burton alongside James Maloney. Yeah, because there are going to be times with a young half where he's just going to have a quiet game every now and then, and you need to have that experienced genuine playmaker half to just take over the reins and say, you know what, I got you, mate. I'll look yeah. after you this week. I'm sure you'll come back next week, but I got you this week. Um, so yeah, someone, something along those lines. I mean. Even Benji Marshall. Yeah. He'd be handy to have alongside Burton. Um, and that's what they need to look at. They they need to look at something along those lines and get some get some young forwards there. I wouldn't mind seeing Adam Fanua Blake at the at the Sharks. He'd be good, yeah. yeah. Or a uh, Felice Kafusi. I wonder if some of the Storms you know, the Storm have some really, really good front rowers, big dudes though. Mm. And I wonder if because of the, the new rules, and you've got to be a little bit more mobile, a little bit more athletic, a little bit more endurance, I feel like the Storm are going to change things a little bit, and I think some of those really high-profile forwards they've got will become available. 
and where you can carry one or two of them they have like three or four of them um and i could see them just moving a couple of them on as they change what their team looks like yeah um that's definitely the place to be looking at is what the storm's got mm-hmm. uh yeah yeah sharks need to start looking at how they change that forward pack and move it around a bit and make it more mobile mm-hmm. um they got some good forward depth there which we mentioned um the backs are a a fine um but yeah you know we're getting rid of at Dugan at the end of the year. I think his contract ends this year. Mm-hmm. Don't really need to replace him with them. They've got two starting centres already at the club. One's injured at the moment. Um, so, you know, I don't think there's too much work that needs to be done to that roster, especially not in comparison to the Tigers' roster. So, it'd be, I don't know, be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, Sharks probably could, could probably just do a few upgrades by just looking across Tom Ugly's bridge and grabbing a few of those Dragons players. So there seems to be a few there that want to get out. Yeah, like uh, get someone... Well, Saab and Sailor are wanting out of there. Yeah. Um, I think, like, getting two of them, they don't obviously need, but picking one of them up would be pretty handy. Um, <laughs> when you look at the difference between the lineups, like, talent-wise, like, the, the Sharks look like a team that... They've got some real busted parts of them, but they're, they're still performing all right. They've still got a, a few pieces there that are good. The Dragons look like a team that should be in the top six. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's the truth. Um, the Sharks look like a team in transition. Yeah. The Dragons look like a team that should be shaping up for a, a genuine tilt at the title. Mm-hmm. And it's hard watching them play footy, well, even though they beat the Sharks today. It was just such bland football to watch. It really was. and You can hear the cardboard cutouts falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. And there was like so much written about Adam Clune coming in at halfback, and he was always on hiding to nothing because this, for, this forward, I mean, their entire game plan, even in this game, was just hit-ups. There's yeah. nothing going on in attack. It's, and, it's all uh, one-ass and hit-ups. Yeah, and, and look, Ben Hunt come in, and he added a little bit of something to the side, but it wasn't like he revolutionised their attack either. It was uh, like their the backs are just going nowhere because their their game plan is shit. Yeah, that's it, just... And both sides were all like that tonight. They're just such bad tack. Really, really bad. God, and, it was hard to watch. Yeah. And, and, oh, man, oh, I, I actually wondered about something, right? I, because, obviously, there was the game. The games were swapped over. So the Bulldogs, they had a problem. Aiden Tolman got in touch with them last night or the night before last, Saturday night, and said, look, my son goes to a school where they've got a COVID-19 issue. And so they po- postponed that game. They moved it to Monday and they switched the Dragons versus Sharks to Sunday afternoon. So they've brought that game forward more than 24 hours. It made me wonder about how much of an effect that has on a team's preparation because, and I was thinking about this, and look, you shouldn't be getting smashed if you're a footy player even 48 hours out from a game. But if you're having a few beers and you're not thinking about playing footy on Saturday afternoon and then you get told on Saturday night, listen, we're going to be playing 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Be ready. It's got to have an effect on you a little bit. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the game was... It wasn't the Dragon Shark game only brought forward by two hours, though. No, no, that was the, that was the Monday night game. I thought they were supposed to just play on 6.30 today. See, Either oh, way, yeah. it's, it's still, you know, it shouldn't have that much of an impact. I wouldn't have thought. I'm sure it was for a Monday night game. I'm almost certain it was. Anyway, I just I just wondered about that because... Well, that's the thing. I mean, it didn't impact the Dragons. <laughs> no, nah, I, look, I don't think it impacted their performances too much at all, but... It, it was just something I was thinking about during the match, and man, I, I was look. I know I'm trying. I'm watching this game, and I'm trying to think of all sorts of things to take my mind off of the crap that I was watching well, on the field. I'll tell you, I'll really tell you one thing. I've I've grown to start liking over the last two and a half weeks. Yeah, is every time a team scores out on the uh, the Dragons' edge, mm-hmm. sorry, the Sharks' edge, mm-hmm. I love nothing more than looking at the reaction of Wade Graham looking at his teammates in disgust because they're fucked up once again in defence because they can't he read gets, properly. He gets so filthy, eh? He's looking at him going, what the fuck are you doing? Like, they're rushing up and in to defend on the player that Wade Graham's going to defend on. Mm. When was the last time Wade Graham was a shit defender? Yeah. The answer is never. <laughs> he can cover that man, and he's always slotting towards the sideline, and they're, they're cramming in towards him. Mm. What are you doing? There's two men outside the winger now. And yeah. it happened. It's happened every fucking week since they came back. It's probably the best part of watching the Sharks at the moment, actually. Yeah, just Wade Graham getting the shits. Can we he, doesn't, about... he doesn't hide it. He rips into them. He, he really does. It's, it's fantastic. I'd love to play poker against him. Mm. Um, can we talk about the thing that's been tossed up in the media a little bit over yeah, the well. last... 24 hours. Always happy to talk, talk about the media tossing. Yeah, because they're a bunch of alcoholic tosses. Mm. Um, there, there was... I made the mistake, right, of watching the footy show this morning, or Sunday Sunday morning, and I'm watching it, and they, they have the segment where they get the hacks on with Peter Sterling, and in the space of two minutes, they between them, they suggested that the Sharks and the, the dragons should merge, <laughs> that the, the dragons should uh, dissolve their joint venture with the Illawarra Steelers, that the that Eddie Jones should coach the Sharks, and that the dragons should move full-time down to Wollongong, because that worked when there was a team down there by itself, quoting one of the idiots that was on this panel. Mm. And I just wanted to, like set the world on fire and finish everything in that moment. Cause that was all in about two minutes at most. Um, talk that the sharks could merge with the St. George Illawarra dragons. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Let's have a look at say the other examples where two neighboring teams who hated one another merged, how that worked out. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Northern Eagles disbanded and Manly went back to owning everything and they shut down North Sydney. Yeah. <clears throat> I just it makes don't... no sense whatsoever. None whatsoever. Like, and the thing is, you'd be you'd be gaining one extra license, right? But the Sharks are extra... The Sharks 
as a club are extremely marketable in terms of being able to sell a Sharks logo, right? Yeah. And you could move the Sharks to Perth. You could move them to Brisbane, I suggest. You could move them pretty much anywhere, and you've got a, a, a good marketable club straight away. Um, the Dragons are one of the most marketable clubs in all of Australian sport. What the fuck would you end up with? Like, would you have this George Illawarra steel dragon sharks? Like, what the fuck? Thankfully, these people are not administrators in the game. Mm. That's an atrocious idea. They wouldn't even be called St. George, Illawarra, or Cronulla. They'd just be called something like the Southern Sydney or the Wollongong Shire or something. I don't know what they'd fucking call it. Give us some dicky name like that. They really would, yeah. But they'd also get rid of the Sharks and Dragons. Just call them the... Uh... Maybe they call them the Scrub Rats or something. <laughs> the, the Wollongong Scrub Rats. I need the Quokkas. Come on. The Quokkas. Best the, logo ever it would be. The, um, um, the Wollongong Wombats. What's something that... I was going to say, what's something that, like, the Shire is well known for? Uh, and you could call them, you know, you could it call could them. Be the Shire Racists? I, was, I wasn't <laughs> going to go there. I was trying to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, you know what? You opened that gar- that garden gate and I went, oh, fuck it, I'm running right through it. I know. I was standing there at the gate looking down the path going, oh, man, this is Dempton. You're, um, you're looking at it going, surely he won't run down there. And I'm going, here I come. How about, okay, how about this? I'm taking it. To the, to the horror of our friend Nick Livermore, the Botany Bay Bombers. <laughs> how good would that be? <laughs> Oh man, the That's, I what don't about, know. What about the uh, Southern Sydney curfew? <laughs> I was uh, thinking maybe the Southern Sydney Commodores. The Commodores. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, you could just call them the Southern Cross Tattoos. The Southern Cross Tattoos. That's actually a good one. What's down in Wollongong that stands out? Drugs. <laughs> what about the Maroubra meth? <laughs> Illawarra ice. Yes, <laughs> Illawarra ice. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. They could have little mascots dressed up like pingers. <laughs> pingers. Do you, what if you because you're trying to spread the name as far as you can, right? So what if you go the the Botany slash Bateman's Bay somethings bong hitters? <laughs> oh boy! I think we've got this sorted out. I think we've, it'll work. Coach by Eddie Jones. Um, Channel Nine, call us. Yeah. <laughs> We're on this. Um, so well, I've got some some other news. Oh yeah, there was a story that's come up today that um, Peter Vlandis was looking at buying a, a personal jet for the NRL. Well, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, would would that be classified as an asset? Would that make all those people happy? 
Um, even though it's not. I tell you, nothing appreciates in value like a fucking private jet. Oh, yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, no one in the media came out and criticised it, but they didn't actually say anything, which means you know they weren't happy with the idea. They all thought, yeah, this is not real clever, but we're not going to criticise him. Well, so we'll far... Hang it out there. Yeah, on his crusade to save money for rugby league, so far he has saved $0 on referees because they're still paying all the full-time referees, so he's not saved any money there. Um, he has lost tens of millions of dollars through the renegotiated television deals, and he's looking at buying a private jet and maybe buying stadiums. So I don't know how that all works out in terms of investments and saving money, but I can think of a, probably a million other ways that you could make more money. You'd probably just take it and put it on horses. Yeah, I wonder if he was sort of just putting 200 grand of the NRL's money mm. on one of the horses he likes the most in the Everest. Yeah, what was that horse that they, they made sure it went on a winning streak? Wix, that was it. You know where it's like it won like 14 races in a row and you start, after like five or six, you start saying, what are they fucking racing this thing against? Like Donkeys. You can't, you can't, yeah, like you can't find a bunch of horses that'll beat this one horse. Are you serious? Yeah. That's madness. You, um, you don't kill a cash cow though, you know that? Ah, well, that's just, this is right. Yeah, they've got that, the wigs, I'm guessing it's a boy. I don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but if it's a boy, I bet they're jerking that thing off right now <laughs> into a bucket somewhere. They would be indeed. Um, what other news has there been? Not too much other news. Um, the New South Wales Premier, Gladys Berejiklian, has given the green light for crowds of up to 10,000 people to attend NRL matches from the 1st of July. So that's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to see 5,000 people turning up to NRL games when that gets lifted to 10,000. Um, Aidan Tolman, who obviously was at the centre of the uh, COVID-19 scare that went through the Bulldogs, um, he won't play on Monday night against the Roosters, even though he tested negative for COVID-19. I think that's just prudent. I think that that's a smart move. You don't want to risk anything, and I think that's a pretty smart move. You know, what, you know what's interesting about this? Mm-hmm. Is, um, I was speaking with someone who's an actual nurse at a hospital down here who's been doing these coronavirus tests on patients. Yeah. Uh, speaking to her tonight, and she's saying she's amazed at how quickly NRL players can get a negative or positive result on coronavirus tests, which are conducted in exactly the same way that the patients that she treats mm-hmm. have to wait 36 hours to get a response on well you know i i knew somebody that got a test and they were told that they would get a text message within 24 hours okay now the, the one of the big things about the nba not being sure about being able to restart is they didn't want to take x amount of tests out of the public uh domain mm-hmm you know, so that they could play basketball when people need to find out if they're dying or not. It's a little bit different here in Australia, obviously. In fact, it's a lot different. It is a very, very quick turnaround, though, isn't it? And my guess is that 
maybe there's a way that you can pay to fast track the results. Maybe there's private labs that you can do it through. That's my only guess, though. Seems a bit, I don't know, odd. It does. It does. Oh, look, I, it's weird because remember when they were saying that you can be asymptomatic and you can be giving the, you know, you can still be spreading the disease and now they're thinking that maybe that's not the case because it's something that is still developing. I don't know with any certainty that they can actually say anything really at this stage. No, and because of that, it makes absolutely zero sense to be allowing crowds to go to football games of any code. I Look, I think in, it's going to be two weeks. It's going, it's, it's going to be what, a little over two weeks before they're letting 10,000 people in there. Mm. I don't know. What happens is just one of them has the coronavirus. Yeah, then we're fucked. We're shutting down the whole game again. Yeah. Because that person with the coronavirus is going to be in the same vicinity as all those players. And if I, that ball touches that person with that, victim, with that virus, and that's entirely possible, mm-hmm. and the players get a hold of it. You know, it's... I, I don't know. I don't think there are answers. I think they're winging it. And I mean, when I say they, I mean everybody right now is they are winging, winging it. it. But the thing is, they're winging it and they're, they're being a bit flippant about it at the same time. All right, let's just let's just allow 10,000 people to come back and, and go check out games in, in two weeks' time. Um, that's, that's a lot. I, I thought they'd saying... gone to five, like 2,000 and then 5,000 and then 10,000. To go straight to 10,000, that's a lot of people. Because the other thing is too, obviously it's, you know, once you get into the stand and you get allocated seating and you're all spaced well apart, that's all fine and good and well. Mm-hmm. But these people are going to be queuing up outside. And if they're all queuing up 1.5 metres apart, how long is that queue and how much traffic is going to get held up in the process of that long line? Yeah. Well, have you been anywhere where they have those markers on the ground mm-hmm. that are 1.5 metres apart? Have you seen anybody properly abiding by them? Um, not really, no. Yeah, I, I know I haven't. I was at the shops this afternoon picking up a few things. It was donuts and flakes, you know, and I needed some coffee. Um, all the essentials. All the essentials. Yeah, and I'm standing in the line and I look down and they've got these markers on the ground and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm within 1.5 metres of the person in front of me. And I've I've had people standing directly behind me as well. So, you know, the the social distance, and you can't do it in the back end of a stadium, by the way. There's no fucking way. I don't no. care what stadium it is. No. And that's what, that's what makes the whole thing mad. If you're going to have people queuing up to go into a stadium, why limit them? You know, just let them go back as much as they want. Yeah. Because they're going to be breaching those social distancing rules anyway as they're queuing up to go inside. It's, I just don't like it. That's that's the wrong timing you'd be doing this. If you want to, if you want to start bringing it in there, then wait until winter's over. You know, this is the month, this is the season of the year where a second wave is most likely to happen. Mm-hmm. Don't encourage it. It, it. It's it's dicing with things. It really is. I yeah. I felt like it was out of the community until this uh, school in Sydney picked it up. 
and they don't know how the, there was a teacher picked it up and uh, taught like 400, had contact with like 400 mm-hmm. students. And they don't know where she got it at this stage. And that's scary because up until that happened, they were saying there was no community transmission. So this it's been picked up somehow. And that's the it's the unknown, you know. Uh, it's it. It also leads me to another rugby league story, mm-hmm. and that is Luke Thompson from St Helens has been granted immediate release, and he's on his way over to the Bulldogs, and he's going to be playing this. You know, they reckon by the end of June. Mm. I I bought a rugby league book from England back in April. Yeah, and that has not arrived yet because of because of protocols. Yeah, coronavirus protocols. You know what? I accept that. I understand mm-hmm. that because coronavirus is going through England way more aggressively than what it is here. Yeah, and they're kind of just at the peak of it now, and they've been hit way harder than us. Yeah, and and yet the Bulldogs can get a a, a rugby league player from England on a plane over here. Well, sure. How? He's- He's got to stay in uh, isolation for two weeks, doesn't he? Well, I think so. But, I mean, why are we allowing flights here with people on from England? If, if their coronavirus cases are much worse than ours, why are we allowing those people into the country? Hey, furthermore, you're, you're if you're coming... You're converted here, man. <laughs> and furthermore, if you're coming here from England, get my fucking book and bring it with me and save me the postage. That bastard cost me a ton. <laughs> Are you able to put in a uh, like an order for next year's issue so should. that that arrives in time? Yeah, man, I, that was the first one thing I thought. That's just crazy. I'm not, this is not a criticism of, of Thompson. I mean, obviously he's probably he's more than likely going to be fine because a lot of professional athletes over there are doing everything they can to be completely clear so they can start playing soon. Yeah, but man, just a massive risk. It really is, and look, if he can go through all the protocols and stuff and and do it in good time, it's fine. But you just hope that they don't rush him or rush any of it, really, because it's just not worth it. It's not worth furthering anyone, especially, like, I don't think people over here realise the horror show that England is going through right now with the COVID-19 virus. Like, it is terrible. There are hundreds of people every day still dying over there. Yep. Um, yeah, speak, speaking of um, really dire situations, mm-hmm. the Broncos' defence... It's not good. <laughs> um, it's, it's the worst in the competition yeah. by a lot. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, the the Titans have conceded more points. They've conceded nine points more than the Broncos. But you look at that Broncos forward pack. Mm-hmm. That's a lot better than the Titans one. Defensively, they should be doing a lot better. Yeah. Um, they've conceded 152 points. And when you consider that Parramatta, Canberra, and the Storm combined have conceded 154. Mm. Jesus Christ. It's not good. Like, and, and it just feels like they're in a real bad spot. <laughs> you know, the 
they've got some injury concerns and and you know they're obviously not playing well at all. Should I, they sack Seabold? I I personally would, yeah. I would sack him right now. Likewise. I would Jeff Tuvey. Um, and I think that that has to go on the current CEO and the board because mm. they spent all that money to bring Seabold in. And he's been terrible. It's been a terrible decision. You know what I was actually thinking with uh, Ricky Stewart? Because Ricky Stewart just coached his 400th game this weekend. And Ricky <clears throat> Stewart... Sorry? Sorry, just clear my throat. Go on. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, Ricky Stewart coached his 400th game this weekend. And Ricky Stewart's not that old for a coach. And it made me think about like the progress of his coaching career over time and how he has changed. He's mellowed out a little bit. And it made me wonder that if, you know, you would probably say now that Ricky Stewart is a pretty damn good coach, but there's been times where he has needed to change what he was doing in the past. And he's been coaching a long time now. I wonder if the the way that we develop coaches and all of these coaches in recent years that have been getting their starts very early, I wonder if it's really detrimental to their coaching careers just in terms of they're not experienced enough in terms of coaching and in terms of life to really know what you, how far you can push players, all of the things you've got to be aware of within players and within their lives, more importantly, how you handle different situations. Because I would suggest that now Ricky Stewart's in a good place where he can handle all of those things and he can take on a lot of responsibility that in the past he maybe wouldn't have handled things as well because he just didn't have the experience for it. Yeah, it's a very good question. I um I put up a graph today on Twitter of Ricky Stewart's coaching career, mm-hmm. and everything was going roses early on. Obviously, he's had a very, very good uh, Roosters team that he was controlling. Yeah. Then he went to the Sharks and still went pretty solidly there. Mm-hmm. And then 2009, it started to go downhill a bit. 2010, it got worse. And then he went to Parramatta, mm-hmm. and it went horribly worse. And that was after he had, what, a two- or three-year absence from coaching? Yeah, it was pretty close. I mean, he, and and uh, like, I'm sure if you sat down with Ricky Stewart right now, and I'm pretty sure I've heard him say, like, he made some mistakes in the past as a coach. And I think early on in his career, he was very demanding of players. And look, at he got results, but I think it wore his teams out too. And I think that they got sick of that demanding nature that he had. Um, and the things that made him a great player and that, that drive that he had and that tenacity maybe worked against him in terms of having longevity at clubs early on in his career. Whereas now I think he's he seems a lot more mellow. He seems a lot happier just in, in terms of where he is right now. And there's been a lot of talk about how he does so much at the the Raiders and everyone gets on well with him and stuff. And he's so integral to, to everything they do at the club. And, it, you know, you only get to that situation once you've had so much experience. And I really do. I think you look at someone like Seabolt and he goes to a club in the the Broncos who they had Wayne Bennett coaching for forever and every single coach they've had since then they had this thought of like well we're going to sign this guy and he's going to be our coach for the next 10 plus years 
and it hasn't worked. And I just think that sometimes clubs, they see young coaches and they want something out of them that they can't deliver because it's just impossible to deliver in most cases. Like how many young coaches have honestly come in and have done that? Like I can't think of any. Like you think of somebody like uh, down in, uh, in, in Melbourne with Craig Bellamy. He was an assistant coach for forever before mm. he got that coaching job and turned into maybe the best coach of all time. You know, Wayne Bennett did a, a series of, like, uh, apprenticeships under really experienced coaches before he got that gig at the Broncos. I don't think it works where you just get a guy that's 36 and newly retired and you chuck him in there and all of a sudden he's that great coach. I don't think it works that way. No, it doesn't. There's, you do have to go through and experience success and failure. Mm. Um what Rick Stewart's done at Canberra has been nothing short of a resurrection of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, and full credit to him, he's done a, a brilliant job of it. But yeah, I think I think to me, people are trying to find a new superstar coach yeah, and not realising that you've got to develop one just like you've got to do with superstar players. I think Trent Barrett is a fantastic example of it. It was like, oh, yeah, coach, he's going to be coach, first-grade coach, gets a coaching gig, it doesn't work out. And it's like, well, what's his next gig going to be? And it's like, how about this dude does the apprenticeship, which we have seen over time, takes you a long, long time to get that apprenticeship to become a great coach. You know who I think maybe messed it up a little bit was Phil Gould? But he come in, he did a really good job at the Bulldogs and then went into a Penrith side that was set, you know? Yeah, I've said it before, and I know I'll get criticism for it, but I think Phil Gould, he had a knack for going to the right clubs at the right times. Mm-hmm. Like he was at the Bulldogs at a time when they were full of superstars. Yep. But he left as they were aging. Yep. <clears throat> and he went to a Penrith side that were young and on the up, mm-hmm. and they were starting to become, you know, regular top top top, top side. And you could just tell, everyone just knew, even in 1989, that Penrith team was getting close to, you know, appearing in a grand final. Yeah. Just such a strong call. And Gould took over then. And then he left them to go to the Roosters at a time when the Roosters had been starting to build a good team. Mm -hmm. And it's not taking the easy option. It's, you know, a smart coach knows how to find those opportunities, find success. And he's able to take that those side and take it to the next level and get them premierships. Yeah, I know. I don't ever recall seeing Field Gould in control of a team that was struggling, and he had to help them get out of the struggle. Yeah, because he yeah. constantly chose to avoid that opportunity by going to a new team that was on the up instead of going to a team that was on the down. He wasn't. He never went to a club to fix it. He went to a club to make it better than what they're currently doing. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it it does. And it's, look, it's not even a criticism. It's bloody smart. You know, more coaches should maybe look at doing that. Um, But outside of Gould, I mean, how many times have you seen a young coach take over and it's, it's properly worked out? Like maybe. Sheens. Yeah, Sheens. He goes close. Jeff Tooby. Tooby's not. 
not bad, I guess. Um, he did a bloody long apprenticeship himself. Yeah. And then got thrown in the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yes. at the list of young coaches that are flamed out is way, way longer. Yeah. Yeah. The, the goal should be to just get the oldest man you can find to be coach. Yeah. It, it, it's not a bad idea. Remember when, uh, Newcastle brought in the walk and yeah. everyone was like, what the hell is this? This guy's a dinosaur. And the players at Newcastle hated him. They apparently Andrew Johns hated him. Yep. And he made them play more defensive style of footy. He made them play more conservatively. They got rid of him. And Hagen comes in the following year and coaches them to a premiership. And looking back on it, a lot of the things that they improved in and improved on were things that Warren Ryan really made sure that they did the previous year. Yep. It's not the worst thing in the world. Like, you know, I mean, how many older coaches are there out there right now that could come in and do a job? And, you know, they're not going to be there for 10 years, but they could get things under control at least. Well, you know how Matthew John said, that, you know, plays at their peak at 30? Yeah. What age do you reckon a coach at their peak? I would personally say in their, probably their late 40s, early 50s. Would 55 be sort of peak, you reckon? It'd have to be close. Because, like, Wayne Bennett is, like, what's he, 60, 68 or something? He's in his 70s, isn't he? I don't know. Look, let's look at this up. Because Wayne Bennett, you would say, and Wayne Bennett's a bit of an outlier. He's 70. He turned, oh, wow, his birthday's yeah. on the 1st of January. That's weird. Um, so Wayne Bennett's 70, right? And he, yep. But he's an outlier. Craig Bellamy's 60. Well, there you go. And look, Craig Bellamy's been talking about ending his coaching career for the last three years. So would you say around about 55 might be the peak age? Yeah, I'm willing to say that. Mate. I've got a revelation for you then. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preempt what it is. <laughs> going to preempt what it is. No, no, I'm, I'm not going to. You tell me. I was going to say something, but it's wrong. I know it's wrong because we just mentioned it. No, I was going to say there's, there's a there's a current player, uh, coach out there. He has been retired, obviously. No, fuck off. He's 55 years old and his Go name is Matthew Elliott. Fuck off. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Maybe maybe the time off and that, you know, age has brought about a bit of wisdom. Mm, yeah. He might be a better, smarter coach. Ricky Stewart changed and turned his career around. Would you take... No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. You're running the Cronulla Sharks. Okay. No. <laughs> And they say, look, Eddie Jones is about to sign, but we could get Matt Elliott instead. Who do you go for? Wade Graham, captain coach. <laughs> yeah. Just chuck everything we've talked about for the last 15 minutes out the window. Yeah. I, here's, here's something. That 
I would take Eddie Jones over Matthew Elliott. <sighs> Eddie Jones, right? And and it's fucking ridiculous. It's a fucking stupid idea. But at least with Eddie Jones, you're going to enjoy a magical mystery tour. With Matthew Elliott, you know where you're ending up. <laughs> um, look, Eddie Jones got one thing going for him. He's a he's a pretty good um, person manager, mm-hmm. which is more of a thing now than what it used to be in the past. Yeah, definitely. And if he had the right assistant coach beneath him, and when I say the right assistant coach, I mean someone who would be a genuine NRL first grade coach. So a John Morris, a Jeff Toovey, um, you know, to run things like genuine attacking plays, defensive lines, that sort of stuff. Mm. I think if, if you had that in place, Eddie Jones could work. But it's an expensive coaching lineup you got to have. It is. I don't know how that coaching by committee sort of thing goes. Because, like, you look at the Dragons right now. It obviously hasn't worked for them at all this year. Okay, it's been terrible. And we thought that having Flanagan there would help them a bit. It's done nothing. Nothing at all for them. Um, Can I put a poser to you on that one? Yeah. Do you reckon Flano is trying to undermine McGregor and get him sacked? I don't know why you would suggest that Shane Flanagan would do something to a club to forward his own progress within the game, but that might be detrimental to the club. I don't know why you would bring that up. Well, you know, it was an absurd suggestion, I will admit. Yeah. Like, is there any evidence that he's ever done that before? Genuinely thinking here. Mm. No, nah, I can't think of it. No. But, uh, oh, by the way, is Paul Gallon dying his hair? If, uh, I don't know. If he's if he's not dying his hair, he might be getting one of those shitty buzz cuts down the side, but leaving the rest of it long. That seems to be going really big in the shower at the moment. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Man. It's the incomplete shearing look. Like you've you've got a you got yourself a sheep, you've got it down, you've shorn the sides off both sides of it, and instead of going for the uh, what's what's known as the long blow, where you take the the, the shears and you do the longest uh, sweeping shearing of the, the sheep's wool, um, they just stopped short of that. And went, you know, let's just leave it with the sides just shaved, and just mull it for the rest of it. We'll just leave it like that. Wow, your definition of a long blow and my definition of a long blow is very different. I felt as a, I mean, you'll tell by the pause before I went into that. I went, I will have to explain this a little bit because I knew something like that was going to be mentioned by you. <laughs> like there's, there is shaving involved in both. I'll be honest. True, true. Um, but yeah, look, I, I just think Paul Gallen, you know, he had a, a you know, the white going around his temples and it's just disappearing. So it's been a revelation, kind of like Darren Lockyer's hair, you know, how his hair was sort of, you know, riding off into the sunset a bit and then all of a sudden he turns up on your TV and it's like, what the fuck happened? His hair's yeah. back. I think Cameron Smith needs, is like dark again. Cameron Smith needs to have a chat with, uh, with Darren Lockyer. 
You reckon? Oh mm. yeah, he is. His hair's starting to starting to go. Mm. That is happening. Yeah. I thought when he had the beard, what he was doing was buying, you know, building replacement hair to just put on the patch at the back. But yeah, that didn't happen. That would have been good to see. You know, it would be cool is if he shaved his head, but he grew his beard out like full on, like just you know, bushman's beard sort of thing. You know, like, what would so, be good. Yeah, is if you had to cut that. This, there was this, this stuff used to be advertised on late night TV in the nineties. You yeah. know that's that hair in a can spray, you can spray on stuff. Yeah. Imagine if Cameron Smith started using a bit of that on there, and every time he got tackled, and someone put their hand on his head, they could walk away going, the "Fuck is this black shit on my hand?" <laughs> just it's like when a Formula One car like breaks really hard in a braking zone. It's just all this black dust just yeah. flies off his head every time he's tackled. <laughs> And he starts getting like really self-conscious of it. He sort of touches it and goes, oh, it's come off. And he runs off to the sideline, gets a bit more spray on his head, comes back on the field. Did you ever see that video when uh, LeBron James's hair started falling off? His little... No. Yeah, there's a video. If you look it up, and look, there's nothing. I don't care. if People want to fuck with their hair. That's all good to them, you know. But uh, LeBron James, he when he was younger, his hairline started receding. And then it started coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and he, there's a game and he's playing for the Lakers and he, I think he was wearing like a headband from memory just in front of his hairline. Well, he got a bump and the he, the headband goes up a bit. So he pulls back down. Well, his hair, I don't know what you'd call it, like, uh, under, you know, underlay sort of thing. It's, it bunched up and his teammates <laughs> pointed it out to him and they were all having a really good laugh about it. And he had to sort of pat his, uh, little like hair blanket down a little a bit because it uh it had bunched up <laughs> was he wearing a rug yeah yeah oh, right, he was right. yeah How, how's your hairline going mine's pretty good i'm i'm lucky i don't have baldness in my family so i'm just gonna um you know thick hair for the rest of my life and it's a major pain in the ass <laughs> i don't know why people are so opposed to balding to be honest so I I have I have balding in my family, uh, and you're supposed to get it from your mother's side of the family. And man, my mother's side of the family, all the men went bald. Like they in their thirties, they were balding, like proper balding. Uh, I've got a beautiful lush head of hair. Uh, you've seen it, mm. you know. I but and ironically, I normally shave it. So I have to because my hair goes. Um... It goes messy curly when it gets too long. Messy like curly? Does, yeah, it doesn't go into like really tight curls, just sort of like one sort of loop sort of curled oh, over. Okay. And you can't you can't keep it straight and you can't keep it looking tidy. It just looks like fucking messy. Yeah. So I've got to be mindful of it. When I start to see it starting to curl a little bit, right, go and get it shorn off. Gone, yeah. Can't style my, my hair whatsoever, so it's just got to stay short. I've still got my pandemic hair, so... It's a, it's a just a wild mess. My hair grows like a uh, wild bush. A wild bush. Yeah, yeah. Like you know when, uh, you know when a weed gets released into the Australian bushland, and it sort of just lays over and it goes and it just does whatever it wants. Mm-hmm. That's what my hair does. Um, and so. When I wake up in the morning at the moment, it's it could be anything, like it, and so it can be standing up on end, it can be it can look like a bird's nest, 
Um, I kind of like it when I wake up sometimes and it's flat but over to one side and I kind of look like a serial killer. There's all sorts of cool like looks that I've got. For a little while, it looked like I had the world's worst comb forward. Um, I do great. remember a brief pupil you had um, the world's best Josh Reynolds parody haircut. I did, yeah. Well, that was the last time. I still haven't cut my hair since. So it's just nuts at the moment. Um, so, yeah. That's been a fascinating chat, that is. It really has. It's been good. I think the best part of this podcast has been that last five minutes. Actually, I'd argue that we should probably just become a hair chat podcast mm. and just fuck the rugby league stuff off. Yeah, what would we call our hair podcast, though? Hair it is. <laughs> hair today, gone tomorrow. Ooh, that's that's a tough one to talk, to pass up on, isn't it? Yeah. Um, follicles are us. <laughs> yeah, follicles are us. What other one could you call? Just no, just it would be called, and it's a, it's a personal motto of mine. Just shave it. Just shave it. <laughs> a close shave. Yeah. Why not? Um. Have we had any emails? Uh, no. No, we haven't. Oh, I thought I'd throw that one to you as a bit of a bit of a surprise. Yeah, my email account is open. Just let me double check. Um, yeah. N- no emails. No emails. So I tell you what, I've got an update on the uh, erotic rugby league story that I'm oh. going to be the centre of attention in. I've heard the first chapter of it. You've heard? Yeah, it was done audio style for me. I've heard it. I was the I've exclusively heard it. I can't show it to anyone else. But let me just tell you, it is gonna be sensational. That sounds magnificent. Is is it a short story or is it gonna be a novel? Uh I don't believe it's gonna be a novel. It's gonna be but it's gonna be longer than a short story. Cause that, that's a novel. There's, is it? Anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a novel. All I can tell you is, there's nothing short in this story, Andrew. So it's fiction, then? Fuck off, you <laughs> fucking cunt. <laughs> 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 that's all a complete fabrication. Um the garden gate was just flapping in the breeze. It was, yeah. I I, I just lent you right into that. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. I'm going to stewing on that until the next podcast. Fuck. Anyway. Fuck. <laughs> uh, uh, how can people support such demeaning comments like that? <laughs> the way they can support that. They need to support independent rugby league content. That's what they need to do. Mm. And the first place you should go to is patreon.com slash leaguefreak. Go on there. This bloke's been punching out rugby league opinion and articles and facts for nigh on three decades, surely. Holy shit. I'm not that fucking old. No, I didn't say you're old. I was just saying you, know, you were punching out when you were, you know, what, six years old or something. Yeah. <laughs> I was running around telling people what was what back then. Exactly. And they went, yeah, you know what? That prick's onto something. Yeah. 
That's what they were doing. Yeah. So yeah, get out there. You can. You've got three or four tiers on there. You can go in there and punch in whatever you want to, you know, cough up for him. Usually it's just a coffee or two coffees a month, mm. depending on how intense your addiction is and how willing you're you are to boycotting one or two coffees a month. It's you it. know, it's my, one or two coffees. Yeah, my top tier is mm. ten US dollars a month, which in Australian that's like two, like car pay repayments. <laughs> Not quite. It's like that's like two of those fancy coffees you'd get at like Gloria Jeans or what's the uh what's the other one? The shit US one. Gloria uh, Jeans. Starbucks. No Starbucks. Oh, Starbucks. Starbucks. Yeah. I don't drink coffee, so yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Man, I I just slam like I got one of those um Dolce Gusto Nescafe machines, and I get the uh, Americano coffees, and I just slam them all day, like just. Black coffee, nothing else in it. Isn't black coffee Italian? Well, it just depends. Like, I guess wherever you're having black coffee, it, you know, it's not really to anywhere. Fair enough, then. <laughs> Did I explain that really well, by the way? I used my Thai vocabulary then, didn't I? Yeah, you absolutely gave me nothing with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I gave you the least amount of no information. <laughs> So it's like you've been burnt by earlier comments. Yeah. Well, no, nah, I'm not giving him anything this time. Fucking. He can get. He can go get fucked. And while he's going to get fucked, I'd like everyone to go to patreon.com forward slash RL project to support the digitization of rugby league history and bullying of his co-host. It is really important that we do this as a game overall because you know the digitization of rugby league's history has gone by the wayside for many, many years until Rugby League Project come along. There weren't many people that were doing it. And Rugby League Project is a resource that we all use on a very regular basis. So I would say to everyone, if you're listening to this, go to patreon.com forward slash project. You can It can be as little as one US dollar a month. Every single little bit helps. So get on there, give it a go. Exactly. You get on there and do that. That'd be fantastic. And if you're a business and you want to get some, you want to get some airtime on a podcast that's got like seventy five episodes a week, mm-hmm. hit us up. Hit us up. We, we've got a few tiers, a few, a few options there. Um, we're happy to do a bit of negotiating with you as well. But uh, yeah, we can. We're looking for sponsors as always. So get always. involved, mm-hmm. and they can email you at podcast. At leaguefreak.com. There you go. Send, drop him a line. Tell him what you want to do. He'll tell you the numbers. We'll get into it. Yeah. I'll have my people or our people, because we've got people. We'll have our people talk to your people. Yeah, we just got to get them off the Twitter account. Yes. How so terrible are our Twitter interns? They're assholes. Yeah, they abuse us on a regular basis, and it's like we're giving them opportunities and all they can do is just chuck slurs at us. It's it's abusive. Um, I, I feel like taking them to the uh, you know workplace relations. I'm I'm not happy with this uh, this arrangement where they're just abusing us like this. Yeah, it, we, it's bad. We have rights. We do, we do. Um, and with any like, if we were successful. At workplace relations, we might be able to be able to pay for a bigger cattle prod mm. that has about 
two or three kiloton of electricity going through it. You won't be writing shit about us anymore then, in turn. Exactly. Hey, I think I know what my next purchase is going to be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember I, I, I showed you something I got the other week? It was impressive, right? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was mouth-watering. Yeah. I am getting, and I'm going to tell you after we've done this podcast, this is just for you and me at the moment because mm-hmm. I'll post a picture of it. It's like, it's ridiculous what I'm getting. It's not very expensive either, but it's ridiculous, and you're going to love it. You're going to laugh when you see what it is. <laughs> remember the negotiator? The negotiator? Do you remember? I do. The ne- yeah. I, I do. It makes that thing look fucking tiny. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Excellent. I like it. All righty. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode and the hair talk. And uh, we'll catch you next time.